and welcome to No Stairway, a podcast about middle-aged men making mixtapes. In each episode, we take a theme, curate the finest musical headlines, and craft a playlist into a masterpiece of audio for all to enjoy. We meet here on the podcast to discuss our selections, rubbish each other's questionable taste, and add tracks to the now legendary Golden Shuffle, our attempt at creating the greatest shuffle list of all time. A playlist that knows no boundaries of genre, bias or theme and surely better than any faceless algorithm that Spotify or Apple can come up with. The rules of No Stairway are very simple. Rule number one, all playlists should be of album length like the days when mini discs were king and CDs were a glorious and recent fading memory. We judge this to be 20 songs or 80 minutes, whichever comes first. Rule number two, no artist can be repeated in a playlist. And rule number three, there is no stairway to heaven. As usual, all three of our playlists for this week are on Spotify, and you can find the links on the episode description or on our website at nostairwaypodcast.com. My name is Bill, and I'm a middle-aged man who makes mixtapes. Hello, my name is Tim, and I'm a middle-aged man who used to ironically enjoy reality television, but now actually enjoys reality television. Hello. My name is Carl and I'm a middle-aged man who has only just found out how to write in bold and italics on WhatsApp and now I do it habitually in every message. This episode we're looking into our playlist which are all about great opening songs from albums. Gentlemen, how do you think that you got on? Carl, what do you think? I enjoyed this. I often, you know, talk about opening tracks, not just for playlists, but for albums. I think, you know, if you've got any, um, if a wise band, a band that knows what it's doing, or an artist that knows what they're doing, will put um, a, a really strong song as the opener. And I think you can tell a good band by a good opening track. You can tell a good album. There's no good album that has a poor uh, opening track, is there? So. Um, I think there was lots of, whereas sometimes you're struggling through like um, trying to judge whether there's, you know, any merit in a song just because it mentions the thing we're talking about. This time it was easy. They, they should all be bangers, yeah. you know, because yeah. if it's a good artist, their opening tracks should all be strong. So they should all be good tracks. So I thought this was, you know, particularly easy. I, I found it a bit frustrated at times because I was thinking about great albums and I would drop the album on but the first, the first track was like a 30 second, almost like a warm up or a little fade in or a little kind of introduction to the concept of the album. And it got, it got a little bit frustrating because I was like, fuck, because track two is awesome. But <laughs> because of the guidelines of the, of the topic, I couldn't use it. And That'd in be my brain, one. because obviously in some cases, these albums I last listened to on CD or on vinyl and I hadn't really thought the concept that it wasn't a first track, you know, it was just a, it faded into track one or this was part of the full track but because of the rule I had to ditch it and move on and do something else It would have been an interesting playlist though, that. Yeah, yeah, I did actually fool around with the idea of just doing yeah. that we, we, It did cross my mind and it was it was in my brain for a, for a good afternoon where I was just starting to fill up and it I got to 20 really quickly and it was maybe about five minutes. <laughs> so you just had tracks that's like that, like that first opening minute of Lay Your Hands On Me by Bon Jovi, where it's just hand claps and Bon Jovi going, hey, before the organ starts. And that, yeah, that, that, was, that was like, it's all stuff like that all the way through. 
I think there were three pretty good playlists this yeah, week. I found them. I found your your two playlists entertaining for two different ways, but they were ent- they were entertaining. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's what you get when when you've got a topic such as that's talking about great albums. Obviously, there's a certain amount of personal opinion that comes into that, which yeah. I'm sure we'll 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 discuss later on. But like Carl said, opening tracks when they're done properly are usually some of the best songs on the on the album. Yes, usually, sometimes. Right, should we get going then? Yeah, yeah. Who, Let's start with first? Tim. Go go your first, yeah. This time around, because we because we were dealing with tracks, opening tracks, I couldn't really come up with any ridiculous sort of rule <laughs> to dictate the order. This was this was purely for me an experiment in the flow from track to track. Did you think about doing a ridiculous rule? Well, when I say that I didn't do a, a, a ridiculous rule, uh, that there were no rules in it. There was a rule. I, I own all the albums that are in my list, and that was that was my one rule. That was basically if I don't have a copy of it, not because I'm a I'm a I'm a big head or a narcissist, and I think everything that's in my in my record collection is a great album. But for me, for me, th- there are albums that everybody says is says are great, and if they're that good, I'll go out and get them. Mm. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And it may be that I haven't got around to listening to it, in which case I've got no business saying that they're a great album because I haven't listened to it. I've just, you know, it's not, this was all down to personal opinion, wasn't it? It wasn't a case of going and looking and seeing what the top 20 greatest albums according to Rolling Stone were, you know, and then sticking the opening tracks on or whatever. Hmm. So there was a personal aspect to this for probably the first time in any of these playlists. The trickiest thing I, I found though, was because you've got all these opening tracks. Which one are you going to start with? Yeah, that was a that was a that was the issue. conundrum for me. Yeah, you're either saying that that first track that you're playing is the best because it's opening everything else, or because you're judging the way that the songs fit with each other, it's the best one to start off that that particular set of songs. And I think that's what I did with. With my opening choice of Hands by uh, Forte, and I don't think it is the best song on the album. It isn't, but it is. It is a a great opener, I think, of probably Forte's, in my opinion, Forte's best album. It's just all those the, the you know the the samples that he's got of the drums bringing in and sort of like, and it just kicks off, and it's just very sort of. It's kind of like the whole album, really. It's funky but mellow i think and that's what i wanted to sort of like ease people in and then basically after that it was just a case of you know which of these songs fit best going into the next one i used the tried and tested method of shuffle and seeing if anything sort of like fit so then i started getting groups so sort of straight away one of one of the big things the first uh sort of three tracks um by uh, Ian Jury in the Blockheads, Wake Up and Make Love to Me. I Want to Go Where the People Go and Punch Bag all just came up on, on a shuffle thing. And I thought, right, that's a, they they work really well together. You know, they feel good. So that they got they got lumped together as a group, for example. Mm. And I don't know. I felt like 
that worked quite well. I don't know about anyone else, but that's the way I went with that. So you you lump all the songs. So you, you identify the songs you're going to use, right? And you've got a rough idea. So you've got what you've got more than twenty at that stage, or you, you know the twenty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got like a whole bag of them right together. You've got a big long list of things mm-hmm. that could that, that could end up. And then you you hit shuffle. Yeah. And 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 then you so you listen to a song. And then when it finishes, you wait until the next song starts and go, oh, did did those two work together? Yeah. Or did those three work together? And so if you've had a nice time while you're washing up when there's been a run of songs, you go back and say, right, I'm having those four or five together. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I do not do that. But then what you then do is you get these groupings and then it's a case of trying to then find the songs that fit those together. It's also, it, it's a good way of separating the wheat from the chaff as well. At one point, I I gotten down to a long list of about 27 and I was doing that shuffle method. And I went, no, th- that one's weaker compared to those, get rid. And, that, and that, then it got me down to probably my fourth, fifth draft. So then oh, I was, and then, okay. and then at that point, okay, I need an order. And then I created an order and then I started doing chopping changes from there. It was a way of eliminating the, the subpar quality. It, it is a way of doing it. You see, to me, this sounds like you guys are like Jackson Pollock or Picasso or something, and you're drawing like square heads. And and I'm, I'm still there just like trying, trying to, you know, draw the pupils in the eyes of the girl in the background or something. Because the, the, what I do is I try and I, I have songs that are fit in an ideal. I have ideal track ones, you know, ideal track twos, ideal track threes. And then I have it all lined up and then I go through and go, it's either that one or that one. And I lose that one. Yeah. Because they're both contenders for early album track. Yeah. So I might have like 10, 10, 10, like these go in the middle, these go at the end, these yeah. go there. And then I cut them down and cut them down and I chop them out of position and say, well, that's not as good as that one. And they do the same job. And so I cut them out. There's, there's nothing random at all. Like there's no chance that anything random could happen in mine because it's all architecture. So maybe yeah. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try next time. I'm going to try that. It's an interesting maybe, process. Maybe not next yeah. time, but at some stage when I've, when I've been tired of my own methods, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we go on to the songs that I've chosen, we've got Forest Swords, which was an album that I'd forgotten I had, and I listened to it again, and I loved it. And it's probably one of those ones that I think probably people don't like. But the whole album, for anyone that hasn't listened to Forest Swords, I, th- I think I think it's quite challenging, but it's but it's a, but his his albums are really interesting. I thought of of your challenging tracks. I thought that was probably the the one that I probably liked the most out of the three or four that I would have said that you could call challenging. And which ones were they? Uh, that one, um, Gold Panda. Oh yeah, that was challenging. Rival Consoles and Mode Selector. I would have thought those were your you would highlight as being your more challenging ones. Yeah, I thought yeah. Forest Swords and Mode Selector were probably the most listable out of those four, and the other two weren't particularly whatsoever. It's very, I thought the Golden, the Gold Panda was just a kind of paint-by-numbers piece of electro-minimalism that just I thought was really boring. Really? Well, what a shame. I love that track. It's good. It probably didn't help that it was sandwiched between Neil Young 
and then something like Mod Selector where it both are pretty big, and then and then from that point on, you, your your list goes up and up and up for me. Uh, but I yeah, that gold panda I really struggled with. I just didn't enjoy it. I have I have a problem with that kind of uh, I think with with you know I've got a long standing issue with electronic music which I have tried to love you know and occasionally do love, but there's just a certain type of electronic music that I I don't feel as though it's trying, it's just not trying hard enough to do anything interesting. I think that's I don't necessarily find it boring. I find it intriguing that um, it can go on for five minutes. That, it, that you could, yeah. yeah, that you could repeat this for five minutes and yeah. think, um, well, what's happening? There's nothing seems to be happening, you know, and they, they keep going. I, I find it, in, it's personally interesting to me that I don't get uh, the well, what that's meant to do. Like, like I, I'm there, I'm listening, I'm thinking, you know, Tim obviously thinks this is really good and he's listening to it and I'm thinking, what's happening in his mind, we both got a human brain, and we're both standing there. We're listening. We're both five minutes in. There we go. Come on, what's happening? What's different about your brain and my brain that I'm trying to enjoy something? And it's not that I don't enjoy it. I just, I just, I would listen to it, and I think, oh, you know, that was a brilliant Toyota advert or something. It's, it's perfectly pleasant, but I just don't. I, do you know what I mean? I just don't feel as though. It, it was gripping in any way. But then again, I think maybe, are you saying that this is a, a track from a great album, not necessarily a great track? Um, no, both. Both? Okay, okay. When I, when I got into this album was a time when I was also teaching myself how to use programs such as Ableton and, and using and, and creating my own types of music. Okay. That's, why, that's why I put those in. Mode Selector, Blue Clouds, you know, I think I think is again a tune, but probably if you're not Carl, if you're not into into the gold panda, then you're not going to be into that one either. No, no, that is that is some very energetic German techno music. I mean, it's not it's not like I'm down on all electronic music. It was it was just that there's a certain type of electronic music that doesn't seem to move for for for, for three minutes. Do you know what I mean? That, that's the thing that I think that's the thing I can't connect with. The stuff that doesn't seem to progress in any kind of real musical way. Do you know what I mean? It just it's just pigs and troughs, isn't it? It builds, yeah. you, you, you put a little bit in, you take a little bit out, and then you put it all back in at the end. You know, it follows a very similar sort I of tell you, my problem is I can almost see it on like uh, on like a you know a thing on logic where I can see all the tracks, like on Garage Band. Yeah. And I can see it and it's like, and then it gets bigger. And they get more and more instruments in, and then they make it smaller, and then they make it bigger again, and then they make it smaller, and they, and it just seems to me it just seems plebeian, you know, it just seems yeah. ordinary and easy. It seems easy. Do you know what I mean? It just seems like all oh, that's easy to do. But I'm, I'm obviously wrong. I haven't done it myself. But it's not that easy. But to me, it just seems too easy for me to say, oh, that was that was a good effort. Do you know what I mean? But in some ways, what's you know what? How is there any anything different in the sense of like first chorus verse? middle eight chorus outro the whole sort of like structure of pop songs as we know as, as we've known them for for years hasn't changed much has it yeah. you know, no absolutely absolutely no I, I, I take that absolutely um and i think there's something you know comforting about that structure um 
which may be, uh, you, know, you, you know, if someone's opinion or taste sort of veers that way, you can be criticised for in the, exactly the same way. So I'm, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's bad music. It's not bad music. It's just I'm just saying why yeah. I just I, I just I can't love it. I find it unlovable, but I'm not going to say it's bad. You know, you need to justify your ending. I need to justify my ending. Mm. Has that annoyed you? Am I going to lose a friend if I say yes? <laughs> why did it annoy you um it, it didn't it didn't annoy me um i think uh, a lot of this list was like a little too mellow because there's a lot on this list that i re- i really love i mean particularly obviously you know the what i mean um i hadn't i wasn't really aware of the ian drury track uh, but I, I love that. I obviously love the Wild Hearts. These I love. Tom Waits I love. You know, so there was lots on there that I really like. Obviously, I like Neil Young um, a whole lot. I love the rival consoles. And I like, really like Talking Heads. But then <clears throat> the descent into, uh, particularly like the, the explosions in the sky. I mean, I know both of you guys had them on your playlist, and I'm, I'm not anyone who's got into them because I find them particularly indulgent. So it, it was it was really it was perfect in a way because it, this list seemed to me particularly indulgent that it's like as, as you've said this is stuff I like and it just happens to be that stuff that no one else would possibly like because it's mental and just boring but then so you've got you've then finished with two tracks from two of the most self indulgent bands which okay Sigaros I've listened to um, I've, I've been to see them they're fantastic. But they're so self-indulgent. You know, you've got to be in a particular frame of mind, yeah. to, you know, to put it on. And Explosions in the Sky, I, th- I think they're the same. And I've just never, I couldn't imagine being in the state of mind where I'm going to want to listen to that. Because it just seems like a load of guys noodling. But um, when it comes on, like on both lists, I was, I was, you know, standing there, whatever I was doing, I was just like, Jesus Christ, what is this? And both times when I looked, it was explosions <laughs> in the sky. Do you know what I mean? So I've sat through the rest of it, and at no other point did I go like, oh, for Christ's sake. You know, even when I was like, oh, electronic music's not really my bag. Explosions in the sky made me abs- made me furious both times. And then to finish Explosions in the Sky with a band that uh, I'm maybe more sympathetic towards, but I also consider very self-indulgent. I was like, oh my God, this is just, this is the, this is really taking the piss out of me now. Like I've got to sit here with these guys for another four minutes of, of just like one tone or whatever, you know, which, which, you know, in any other setting I would love, but after Explosions in the Sky, I found it exhausting. The choice of putting a song called Intro as the last song was obviously a little cheeky sort of like nod. Strangely enough, I, I had um, a Seguros track on mine, from the album after that brackets yeah and that that was one of the tracks where i went down the line of you know i did the the random selection and it just didn't make Ah, the cut because it wasn't as strong as the others uh and it was in there for quite a while actually and i did it did get cut um but they are one of those bands where i think they've got increasingly more self-indulgent i'll agree i'll agree with you there carl that absolutely i kind of fell out of love with them i was really into them about I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And then they just start to produce increasingly more self-indulgent. I don't think I've listened to anything of theirs in the last nine years, not knowingly anyway. Uh, I haven't listened to anything after uh, after Tack, really, is, yeah. is the last like original album I listened to. There was obviously a couple of compilations afterwards. 
But I, I saw, but they were one of those bands where there, there are some people who I keep wanting to go and see, Neil Young, for example. And Sigur Ross were a band who, similar to like Radiohead, when I went to see them, I felt like I was done. Like I'd done the thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know I, what you mean. I, I, I saw Sigur Ross on the tactile. I guess that must have been like 2005, 2006, something like that. In Edinburgh, on my own, you know, like stood by the sound desk. It was incredible. That was it. I, just, I, I don't think I've listened to the album since. Um, which I know is not like a normal human response uh, to that kind of thing. But, the, you know, I, I just felt like that was fantastic. Thanks, guys. And then that was the end of it. That was that was where I came from on my playlist. No, it was good. It was good. I, I, I enjoyed the opening particularly. But I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it as a, as a set. I actually took the opportunity to go back and listen to PHUQ for probably the first time I've been in 10 years. And like I've I've listened to them more, you know, I've listened to more recent things, obviously, but I don't think I'd listened to that entire that that album beginning to end for probably about a decade. And how much there's a there's a lot of nostalgia in there for me more than anything. It's really interesting. But the album itself is a really interesting mishmash of different rock genres in the nineties, where there's like really melodic rock, and then there's like really heavy um, rockabilly stuff in the middle and then some stuff which sounds like Paradise Lost and how it's a real collection of different rock within the 90s. I found that interesting. The thing that the Wild Hearts have always likened themselves to, Metallica playing Cheap Trick, basically you've got that sort of like heavy, you've got that, you've got the heavy riffs of sort of like thrash. Yeah. But you've but you've got the you've got the chorus you've got the melody and, yeah. and you know I don't think any other band or songwriter in in Ginger really really gets that the way that the Wild Hearts do and I think the reason why they're still going now and they're still um have got such a loyal fan base probably more than any any other band for a band that size for a band that size the band have been keeping them going for you know all 30 30 odd years to the point where you know they released their you know a new album for the first time in 13 years i think it was uh last time and and it, you know it got to number one in the rock charts purely on fa- you know the fans loving it's it just in case listeners didn't know tim is the world's foremost wild hearts fan yeah. Just in case that. No, I, well, I'd, I'd like to be. Right, so should we uh, move on to Bills now? Yeah, sure. Did anybody guess my or how I decided my order? No, I've just been looking at it. Um, yeah. And no, no, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Okay. Tim? No. Right, okay. They go are, they, are they all tracks that have been sampled by Kanye West and the order that they've... Uh... <laughs> that would be interesting. No, they all go back in time, so the most recent... I was going to say reverse date, right? Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. War on Drugs is 2017, and it goes in year order right back to the Rolling Stones, and that year is 69. So they're, they're in reverse chronological order. Um. I mainly did this simply because I didn't want to... I want to give, like, a Tim rule, so I wouldn't give a favourite to any other track. My Originally, my 
my big finish was going to be the David Bowie track because to say that that's an opening track, that's the best album finisher ever. It's incredible. Yeah, I actually, I, I stopped your playlist after that track thinking, oh, brilliant ending. Right, let's yeah. have a look what Tim's done. I was like, two more tracks. I was two like, what tracks. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic track. Um, and actually, it kind of goes into what you put on yours, Carl. So I'll, I'll save that, actually. So yeah, I started up with War on Drugs, which I think that album is probably one of the best albums of that decade. I think it's fantastic. Benjamin Clementine the, for the follow-up, which is just blows my mind every time I listen to it how he's got this voice where it almost feels like he's got the phrasing of an improvised jazz trumpeter, but it's with this, you know, he's got these really meaningful voice. It's wonderful. Uh, Explosion in the Sky, which we've talked about. Uh, we Were Promised Jetpacks, nice opening to the album. Nick Cave, Mogwai, then we're into the early 2000s. Jump into the 90s with Weezer and Pulp. Solid two tracks from the 80s, Paul Simon and uh, Paul and Oates. Then we're into Nick. the 70s and 60s of Nick Drake, Bowie, King Crimson and the Rolling Stones. I enjoyed trying different orders with this because my original ordering for this list and my original set list for this playlist was four hours. It was huge. And once I narrowed it down, I, and as, as I said earlier, it was it was difficult to put in an order that I was happy with because they were all great tracks, but I just couldn't give one verse dibs. So I gave it that arbitrary rule of saying, let's go chron full chronological. So we started off with Rolling Stones. Great track to start. But then it felt like that it did a bit of a disservice to War on Drugs because that song's nowhere near as fucking good as the Rolling Stones, is it? So that's why I did the reverse order and flipped it around. And actually, I, I thought it actually gave that progression. The other reason why I was interested in it, I did it just as a bit of fun at first because I wanted to look at the difference between opening tracks between modern songs and songs from the 60s and 70s. And there is a quite distinctive feeling to it. Those tracks which just crescendo and crescendo and crescendo up, especially in the first five or six tracks, even up to the Mogwai, you know, you, you've got kind of almost like a very soft start and it, it just, the, the band and the arrangement takes off and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Almost, you know, like that introduction to a big album. Whereas from Saint-Germain onwards, they are big, big pumping tracks and it's that total flip side. And Saint-Germain was the year 2000. There was a big shift there, obviously. What it was, I don't know. It seems like the 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 the, early, the beginning tracks, so maybe the first four or five, mm -hmm. are people who are doing opening tracks. This is how we're going to open the album, yeah, you know. Yeah. Whereas before, then it's like we need to sell the album. Let's yeah. let's make the DJs listen to something, you know. Because I think it's it's the point where radio became irrelevant. Maybe it's yeah. the dividing yeah, yeah. line, you know, when they had to listen to the album. Because a lot of these, the the middle period. Uh, or, you know, sort of the 80s mm -hmm. uh, and 90s stuff. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're all singles, aren't they? Um, the, 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 was the, a single? Rose Rouge. I th yeah, Misshapes. It wasn't the first single or anything like no. that, but it was definitely a single. I, th I think it might have been the third single, but it's, yeah, yeah mm. it's a single. And obviously, yeah. Tired of Sex was a single, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, or in the Bubble was a single, I think. Okay. So, yeah. But again, maybe I think the second or third single, Call Me yeah, Owl, yeah. a single. And Manita certainly was. Manita, Manita was, was yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that. Is that the idea of things maybe got more competitive? 
say the singles charts yeah are going on radio play radio play you've got mute you've got music television coming in as well mm-hmm. so it's that idea of sort of like if you're going to sell an album you you've got to hook them from the start and pl- give yeah. them something that they know straight away yeah. you know yeah. mate, your fans will buy the first single probably buy the album straight away but as the momentum goes then reward those sort of like new listeners yeah. with a track that they've heard by maybe listening to the second or third, fourth single off the album or something. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's a commercial thing, but I doubt it. It makes sense, that kind of rationality between that 80s and 90s tracks, whereas as soon as you hit the 2000s, uh, most of those albums are, they're from well-established acts, with a par- apart from Benjamin Clementine and I think the Jetpacks album was their first album. Whereas all the others are from well-established bands. Their fan base know what they're going to get when they pick up the album, when they press play on the streaming service. So it's not a big surprise. We were very close to having a um, an automatic entry onto the Golden Shuffle there because I had misshapes because I do believe that Different Class is one of the best album albums of, of the 90s. Yes. But I don't like misshapes. I've never liked it as a song. I think that's another sort of like unwritten rule that I had which was I've got to like the song as well it's no good it just to be an opening track from a good album if I don't like the song so that's why Miss Shapes was in and then it was out because I liked other songs better yeah see, see I thought that was that was my golden ticket to the shuffle I thought this is it <laughs> I mean I included it something those guys are going to go for it because it's, it's so obviously a banging opening track we were the right age in the 90s, you know. Yeah. And I knew that, I mean, I I had uh, I Want to Go Where the People Go for the longest time thinking that's going to get in the golden shuffle. And I thought, Bill's not going to go for that. Bill's yeah. going to think that's obvious. So I, I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> but the pulp's a gimme. We're all going to go for the pulp. And then... <laughs> You know, it just shows how hard the Golden Shuffle is to uh, to get right. Yeah, so that's the rundown. I really enjoyed making this list. It was one of those ones where I, I totally agree with Tim. I, I needed to like the track and I needed to like the, the album. And actually, I think whilst that made it easy, it made it difficult as well. It's like, oh, well, I like this in this order and I like that permutation and I love that track. But it was that process of elimination that because I knew that it needed to be 80 minutes. And that was the problem as well because a lot of, a lot of opening tracks that I really liked were all over five minutes. So I knew it was going to be a short playlist, apart from what we talked about right at the beginning of these albums that I loved where the actual track one was really short. So it could have been a total opposite. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the issues that I came came across was a lot of the songs that I wanted to put in were all sort of five, six minutes long, you know, as a a minimum, really. There weren't many, many short, short songs. It's almost like they're, they're, they're setting the stall out. It's like that big that big chorus number at the beginning of the musical or something, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's all sort of like complicated and bringing in all the themes and the overture yeah. and all you know and all that sort of stuff. In. By your own admission, what you've created here essentially is a shuffle list, which is oh, no, not I, in, in the fact, spirit of playlisting. That it's not a playlist; it's a shuffle no, no, list. I, I generated the rule, so I'm just going to stick the rule up, and you, you can. I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself because that's that's Tim's idea. I did try a number of different orders, yeah, and I actually liked this one. By the end of it, I think because I tried so many different permutations, 
and I created the rule. I, I don't know whether I convinced myself that I preferred this way or I just like the study that it, it goes backwards and that and it creates the idea of the opening track of an album has changed over time in a relatively short amount of time as well. Between 69 and 2017, it has the essence of an opening track has really changed and what's expected in an opening track of an album. No matter what else is happening in the album, that opening track has definitely changed. It's a nice narrative. Did you not feel at any stage that once you'd established that that was going to be the thing, it's like, oh, well, I've got to get rid of the Stones and King Crimson just to finish on the Bowie? I really wanted the, I really wanted that Rolling Stones track on because I'm not a massive Stones fan, but the handful mm. of tracks that I like of the Stones are just fucking incredible. And we've talked about the Stones before, and I don't know how they've cranked it out for all, for all these years, but as you, I remember you going, you know, power to them, they've found it and they can do it. And yeah, sure, they they found it and they can do it. But of the of the stuff that the stones that I like, I really fucking like it. Yeah, they've got like probably six tracks that I would say are like six of the greatest songs ever, yeah. <laughs> ever written. Yeah. you know. But th- that's all they've got. But I mean, that's that's six songs better songs than that, most bands. Yeah, that nobody else could yeah. ever write, and they're just yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally go with that. And Give Me Shelter is obviously it's, it's one of those tracks. Um, other ones, Sympathy for the Devil, uh, Under My Skin. Under My Thumb. Under My Thumb, that's it, that's yeah. it. Um, and that's two minutes 20 of just brilliant songwriting. Yeah, Angie, that's a great track. I'm glad you said that um, that was down to a rule as well, because I, I one of the things that I put down was... Surely Give Me Shelter's the opening track on this playlist. And, and actually, it, I think it was at one point. It actually was. And I, I think that's why, because I was struggling with the ordering of it, of being satisfied with the order. That's where I came up with, when it was originally chronological, I was like, okay, let's write chronological. And then I thought, well, why don't I just finish with that? You know, flip it on its head. So I re- totally reversed the entire thing. And actually, I like it as a finishing. It works. It does. It does work because I think one of the one of the things that sort of like helps you a little bit with w- 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 that I found with the the flow of tracking first tracks is when when you get one that fades out. Yeah. And obviously, because it fades out, it come it it comes to a nice sort of like natural yeah. ending. And I've, and I don't know why. You know, I don't, I don't know why people do that on albums. Really, that it's a sort of like the f- the fade out. It's lazy songwriting. That's all it is. It's like you can't be bothered to to figure out how to finish it. Putting a good solid plagal or perfect cadence at the end, nice solid harmony, and off you go. Bit of feedback, reverb, sort of like just let it hang. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be happy enough if people just stopped. Like if they yeah. all just if it all just descended into chaos and they said, "Oh, that's it. Shall we stop, lads? Yeah, stop, stop, stop." Yeah, and yeah. If that, I'd prefer that to a fade out. I think yeah, a fade, yeah. a fade, fade out, out's just a really lazy songwriting. It's quitting, isn't it? Really, yeah. and they're just like, "Oh, I can't work it out. We'll just we'll carry on until we run out of steam, and then we'll just get the guy to edit it later." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just stop when you when you know. Stop. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I think there were a few things not picked up on, but sort of like felt. Why is he? Why is he done that? I think a lot of the tracks here are good tracks from good albums, but there's a better track on all of these albums that I thought of when I heard these. These are all interesting points, and actually, 
isn't this the purpose of a playlist? You're giving somebody, somebody completely new, somebody completely independent, a playlist where then they can then leap off and discover an album. True. Yeah. If they True. like this, yeah. if they like this, they'll love the deep dive they could yeah, do. Yeah. I mean, this is a perfect introduction to like loads yeah. of. I mean, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the Nick Drake. I mean, that's a brilliant track from a brilliant album. Yeah. And and the David Bowie. That's another brilliant example of that because that is a brilliant track. The whole album's fantastic. Yeah. The interesting thing is though, if I hadn't have heard of these artists, if yeah. I hadn't have heard, would I? listen to like pink moon and go oh wow i've got to listen to more of that guy because i think probably the answer is yes yes and in that case this is a fantastic advert for these artists because <laughs> just just wait until you listen to the good stuff do you know what yeah. i mean because these are good tracks but behind that there are like some really i mean i think you've got the best stones track on there so it's not true of the of every art it's not true of the stones and actually probably san germain as well and san germain i think that's probably their best track yeah, yeah. Um, and I couldn't name another San Germain track, no, even, even though my and wife's got like three of them. Yeah, yeah, my wife's got like three of their albums, yeah. and we used to listen to them quite a lot. And that's the only track I can remember. So yeah. <laughs> it's probably not true of all the artists, but um, but yeah, it was interesting. It's, it's yeah, it's a brilliant advert for lots of these. And in fact, uh, Benjamin Clementine, I say it's, it's not true there because that might be the best track off that album. Have we uh, have we got any final bits on uh, Bill's playlist, Carl? Uh, no, I, I broadly speaking, I enjoyed it. There was less of the um, the the sort of navel gazing uh, electronica that you subjected me to, so I enjoyed that. There was too much explosions in the sky. Didn't enjoy that. Uh, but otherwise, um, I don't know if it what it says about me as a person or how old I am, but that. The, the further it went on, the more I enjoyed it. But now I know the, that that was just the older music. Yeah. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm a codger. Uh, but I'm happy with that. I, uh, <laughs> I enjoy, particularly enjoyed the, uh, the King Crimson and the Stones. <laughs> Should we move on to uh, Should we move on to Carl's playlist? Yes. What was it called? Right. First of all, Carl. Yeah. New beginnings. New beginnings, yeah. Purely and simply because I was trying to name it something other than opening tracks and um, kind of ran out of time. And that's 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 the best I got. Nothing not honest. Yeah. There's no there's no deep thinking there. And also I think I misunderstood the brief. So I can just cover that quickly first. I thought it was just great opening tracks. So I'm I'm not vouching for any of these albums. I'm just checking. Yeah, no, some of these albums aren't brilliant. Yeah, no, some of these albums are, are, are Wait, terrible. Hang on. No, I just went for great opening tracks as well. Oh, okay, I, I thought Tim was saying the albums had to be good. As far as Tim, is that right? As far as you're concerned, they were good. They were great albums. That is what was written down on the on the Steelers' Wheel of Fortune. All right, okay. I literally just went with yeah. best songs that open an album and was yeah. written, and and what was written down. Right. Okay. So I've I've slightly misunderstood. I mean, I will, I will obviously now I've done it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna swear by these albums as great albums. <laughs> um, let me just check. I think I own them all. <clears throat> uh, yes, I own all these albums. So I can at least say that that I they're at least that good. But I own lots of rubbish. So, um, but uh, so all I did was 
I was just looking for my favorite opening track. So to me, it was like, if I, sometimes, you know, when you hear a track and you're like, oh, let's put that album on. Mm. That's what I was looking for, that kind of thing. But I also wanted to, I encountered the same problems that uh, lots of the time these tracks are uh, minuscule and it's just a guy saying, welcome to the fun house or some bullshit like that. And then other times it's like, it's, 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 it's 10 minutes so I started off, the, the, the first one is um, Bright Eyes. It, it like sort of starts with lots and lots of talk and it's like this short story, you know, which I thought was a nice way to open an album anyway. It's a nice way that, that album opens. And then after then it was, again, it's my, it's my usual strategy of just trying to um, recreate a classic album. And so I'm looking for, you know, a, a good opening track. Then I'm looking for a couple of, you know, uh, decent tracks that take us through into a singly type thing, and then I'm I'm, I'm building up to like uh, some sort of uh, a big ending, and and then maybe some sort of uh, something uh, reflective afterwards. You know, like a, a you know something to sort of chill us out and finish. So it's, it's so it's structured like an album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've gone through and I've got uh, just stuff I like. Yeah, similar to you, Tim. It's just like it's all stuff I like, right? It's it's it. It's just, it's the easiest thing. It's just, you know, it's Bjork, uh, it's Run the Jewels, you know. Loved, um, Loved it. I mean, they're, they're probably the greatest band on the planet at the minute because they, they don't have a bad song. Do you know what I mean? You could you could literally pick any track from any Run the Jewels album and, and it's solid, you know, and they've always got something to say. Um, and it's always kind of inventive and creative, you know, within the genre, which is not a genre I'm particularly au fait with I, you know i'm not an expert on it but i just like everything they produce you know yeah. um i remember did do you remember talking about them bill when we went to see leanne la havas like a few years yeah. back we stood there in leeds and i said oh you know have you heard run the jewels we we're like oh yeah we were talking about run the jewels yeah and I, that's the point i just got into them and since then i've just been like oh run the jewels yeah. but yeah but yeah they're terrific obviously the pulp we talked about the pull. Mm. Um, I thought Tim's going to bombard us with electronica, so I better stick some Aphex Twin in, you know. But that also happens to be my favourite. I know lots of people like uh, Drugs, you know, the Aphex Twin, seminal Aphex Twin album. But I yes. personally think that that is the the better out. Like the, I think the earlier two or three albums yeah. um, are actually the, the the better albums. You know, if you wanted to get into him, Drugs might be his masterpiece, but. They're the better albums. It's hard to listen to, isn't it? It is. It's not. It's not. A, it's not an entry album. No, I think you know. You know, when you, when you're a university student and you're all sort of sat around for hours drinking or whatever, then it seemed like the perfect choice. But now, if you've got to drive somewhere and pick up the kids, if you stick that album on Spotify on you, you feel like you're in a Alfred Hitchcock car chase scene. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. It's not, it's not an easy listen. So, you know, listen to the earlier stuff, I think. I mean, I went through this whole period, this, this phase with this playlist of wanting to do all metal tracks. Like I thought, metal albums open really strongly. You know, they always stick something at the beginning. So I had like uh, Meshuggah and Tool and stuff like that, you know, because their first tracks are always brilliant. But then you can't listen to turns out I couldn't personally listen to 80 minutes of it because I tried and it basically just makes you so exhausted by the end of it it gives you like a slight headache the one of the ones at the front so (laughs) I had to abandon that so the the thing that uh, I kept in from that was Sepultura which I actually had uh, roots 
if you remember the track. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, Bloody Roots. I, was, I was surprised with that choice, yeah. Yeah, um, but I was playing with it and um, I was um, like looking at Sepultura and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's a really great track. And then, uh, yeah, I got Man Man, like one of my favourite ever bands. They're like, no one's heard of them. They're not, I don't even know how I heard of them. I think I saw them on TV in America once. And I think that that track, I think that's the first track of their first album, but I think it sort of perfectly sums them up. So what did they, what did they do? Dire Straits? Who doesn't love Dire Straits? I've really gone to Dire Straits during... Uh, during I went into 20, a little bit of a rabbit hole with that album, actually. That's a good album. My God. I mean, Dire Straits are incredible. It was it was my mate Jimmy who got me into Dire Straits because uh, he's got a, a quite a strange taste in music. I guess he's, he's younger, right? So I guess for him, what I consider the 70s, he's like the 80s. So if I'm rattling off great bands that I've really got no actual experience of, like Led Zeppelin or Jimi Hendrix or something like that, he'd say things like Marillion, Phil Collins, you know, and I'm like, they're not great bands. They were crap when I was a kid. What are you talking about? And he's like, what are you talking about? They're doing number one album, Marillion. It's awesome. But it's an interesting point that you should say that because I think a lot of musical taste comes from your early musical taste, I suppose. And, like, my dad was very much into sort of um, Dire Straits and Billy Joel and, all, you know, all that sort of stuff in, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But it was when I got to being a teenager, that stuff, it wasn't cool. You know, you couldn't go yeah. you couldn't go into school and say, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Dire Straits fan. Yeah. But you could go in and say... You know, I like all this stuff from the 70s. Right, yeah. You have to sort of skip over a generation, You right? have to skip yeah, over, because yeah. everybody yeah. else has sort of, like, lived through that. And That's if it. they... And, and maybe if they've got sort of, like, younger parents than you or something like that, they're, like, going, nah, that Dire Straits stuff is naff or whatever. Yeah. Because it was quite yeah, commercial. It's over Dire Straits just because it was... I always kind of akin it to the embarrassing dads really enjoying the Sultans of Swing and all that kind of stuff. And it just never, it never appealed to me. I was the same. The conversation I had with Jimmy, I was like, oh, um, you know, oh, he, he slagged off Bob Dylan or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's the greatest ever. He's like, oh, he's no Mark Knopfler. Like, what? <laughs> and then, of course, you listen to Mark Knopfler and you're like, well, he's got a point. You know, Mark Knopfler's awesome. But I'd never really given him a chance. So I've really got into, uh, into Dire Straits. That track in particular, I just, I, yeah, I could listen to it all. It's one of those tracks I could just listen to it all day. But I, I appreciate that uh, some people are going to accuse me of being uncool. But obviously that's, so, you know, it's not something I care about. Just to finish off, to nail my colours to the wall as the uh, bit of Bette Midler, um, just because I don't know if people are aware of how awesome... <laughs> Um, Bette Midler's early work is. Um, she had a beautiful voice back then, didn't she? Beautiful voice. She's fantastic. Uh, have you listened to her Christmas album, Cool Yule? No, I have not. And then uh, a bit of Scott Walker that I thought people might not know, um, you know, because everyone knows like some bits of Scott Walker, but I thought that was that was a bit of Scott Walker that maybe is, is more hidden. And then I think maybe that, uh, the weirdest opening track of all time is um, uh, Tom uh, Traubert's Blues by Tom Waits, which is clearly an, uh, an ending track. So it's similar to what you had with, with the uh, with the Bowie. It's clearly the last track, but he just took it on first. I, don't know. I think with that album, with that album as well, I'd, I'd always I'd always accepted that it was like the beginning track, which was weird, and I'd never I'd never right. actually heard it at the end. I went out for a walk listening to your playlist 
and I got to that, and I was just, I was, I was in tears, oh. <laughs> because because it, it it suddenly kind of, it was almost like the positioning of it had been the song suddenly felt different because it was at the end of something, yeah. If you know what I mean, like it 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 brought it had a whole sort of like different emotional resonance to it, and I think you know. Why? Why after that was like thinking? Why did he put it at the beginning? And I'd never yeah. questioned it. But it is. It is the perfect end to an album, isn't it? It is. It is. And I, I only did that with um, making a. I, I'd like made a playlist. I don't know if I'd questioned it or not. I don't think I had. And then I'd made uh, a playlist of uh, like Tom Waits songs um, for someone. And then it was playing with that and going. Um, oh, I'll stick that at the beginning. And then going, oh, this they're never gonna get into Tom Waits if this is yeah. the first thing they hear. They're gonna think he's a guy who just like Australian themed songs or something. So I, I I just kept pushing it further and further back. And then going, the bloody thing's eight minutes long, whatever. It's gotta it's gotta be the last track. Do you know what I mean? kept pushing it further back? And then eventually when it ended up at the end, I was like, You're right, you know, you all of a sudden you're in tears and you're like, Oh Christ, yeah, that that's why is that not at the end? Bill, do you wanna um, do you wanna pick up on anything? Actually, if anything, you've kind of discussed what what I was going to pick up on. Um, the Bowie, the Bowie was an interesting choice. I, I felt. I know that you're a fan of that album, and I did dig into that album actually after we discussed it before. And and if anything, I think the album's a little bit odd. It's a very odd mm. album. It's it's a very kind of an ebb and flow album where he's got a collection of songs, but he didn't really know what he was singing about. Yeah, I think that's one of those albums that uh, I would say I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't back it as like a great album. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I mean, looked. Oh, it's got to be a great album. Oh, I'm not going to yeah. say that. I, do, I I think I've always struggled with a bit of Sepultura. I think I appreciate how good they are as musicians. It's just that with some metal, even though I like a lot of heavy rock and metal stuff, I think sometimes it's just that little bit step towards the absurd for me. It's Brazilian metal. They're the only example we have. That's so true, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're canon, you know, whatever they say goes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Scott Walker, as you said, I I only knew kind of a couple of very isolated songs. But once you put once you did that, I then listened to all the Scott Walker one, then two, then three, then four, and then I kind of just did those four on loop for a while. That's the way to do it. My fiance burst into the kitchen one afternoon saying, "Why are you listening to songs from a bingo hall?" Which I replied, <laughs> "If this is being played in a bingo hall, why the fuck am I not there already?" Yeah, take me to this bingo hall. There's some incredible stuff on those albums. The yeah. The outrageousness of the arrangements on the orchestra, you don't get that anymore. It's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. It's its phenomenal, some of the stuff that was written for him. Or I don't know whether he was involved with it. But then I was reading that uh, it, later in his life, probably in the last, what, six, seven years ago, he did an album with Sun, you know, like a doom metal drone band. Yeah. But this guy was off his rocker. He just yeah, re- he took musical arrangements to the extreme. Yeah, his last four albums are all mental. Like, I mean, I keep trying to squeeze a track on these lists, but there's there's no way. There's no way you could use anything on them. Out of context, it just sounds like someone's just left a tumble dryer to die in the wind or something. It's <laughs> mental. I've got one question, Cal, about your playlist. And, it, and, it's a, and it's a notable omission. Okay. You have said in the past that the perfect album is New Jersey by Bon Jovi. 
Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I was used... actually wondering where a bit of Bon Jovi was. Yeah. Where Where is Lay Your Hands on Me? Well, I, I think I covered this earlier. Um, it's too It's too long an intro. I had it in there. Track one, obviously, best album of all time, best opening <laughs> track of all time. Obviously, it's too long because you know, as as we all know, we're trying to get bang for his book, right? So there's the pressure, isn't there, to get the you know as close to the eighty minutes or the twenty tracks as you can, and then you're thinking, God, the first. You know, I'm prepared to do it for like the short story thing with Bright Eyes because the whole track gets it all done and dusted in four minutes. Fantastic. But when I mean, Lay Your Hands on Me is like, what, six minutes or something? The first two and a half minutes, it's just the tom-toms. I just felt it was just too sluggish a, a start for a playlist when everyone loves Bon Jovi. You know, there's no education I can do there. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's probably, it, it's not everybody's favourite album, New Jersey, but it, it's in their top three, right? Like globally, <laughs> it's everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> because it's such a fun album, you know. You're really selling it. You're selling it to the audience. It, it was in there. It was in there. Um, and I did, uh, for a while I had it at the end, um, just because I thought I could do like, I could do Tom Waits. And then I could have the big tom-tom intro and then the organ comes back, like, lay your hands. And I thought, oh, that was fun. But it's just time. It was time. I'd have to lose, like, two of the tracks for it. So in that edit where I'm going through and going, well, this is here, this is here, and you're getting rid of things for time, it's the time pressure, really, um, that got rid of that, yeah. So it's a shame. Now it's come to that point in the... um in the playlist where we choose tracks for the Golden Shuffle. Disappointingly, again, no automatic entry. Wait, 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 but big news. When we do get the entry, I've written the jingle. I've finally made it. All right, so when and if it happens, it's going to be the big reveal. It's going to happen. I'm excited about that. We're now officially professional podcasters, right? Yeah, yeah, we've got one jingle. One. Right, (laughs) that's it. That's all we need. (laughs) <laughs> that there'll be there'll be some sort of Sony award coming our way. Who wants to go first then, Bill? We haven't even talked about how fantastic this song is. It's one of those forgotten albums of an awesome artist. And every time I hear, actually much like to what Carl was talking about with my playlist, when, when I hear this one track, I have to listen to the rest of the album because it's just fantastic. And so the track that I'm putting forward is Bob Dylan, Changing of the Guard. Oh, yes. Thank you. That is that is good. That was on my list as well for, oh, for, no. for a brief period. Yeah. I've only got, to, I only own two Bob Dylan albums and that's one of them. Yeah, oh, that's the best Le- Bob Dylan? Yes, yeah, Street what? Legal is arguably one of the best Bob Dylan albums ever. I would say it's the best. What's the other one you've got, Tim? Uh, Blonde on Blonde. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Street Legal's definitely better than Blonde and Blonde. Yeah, yeah. I think Blonde and Blonde's a product of its time. You yes. know, Street Legal, you can listen to it any day, any, any time. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Carl? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, well, I... Uh, let me see. I've got a short list here. So, um, so there's lots I could go for. As I, said, I mean, I think I've said everything that I love about... Uh, Bill's playlist. There's Weezer. There's Pulp. There's you know. There's Paul Simon. Uh, there's Nick Drake. The Bowie. I mean, it, it hurts that I'm not going to put the Bowie on. 
all the, all the Stones or King Crimson because I, there's only one track I can possibly put on this week and that's the Wild Hearts. I want to go where the people go. There you go. Um, because it's got it's got to be on there, and it might never turn up again. That's so true. I've yeah. I've learned from previous weeks where I've I've let things slide, thinking it'll turn back up, and then afterwards I'm like, why did I do that? These other things aren't going to come back. This is on now. That's locked and loaded. We we, could, we we've got it now. You know, so we can all rest easy. Right. So I'm going with. So again, it's a track that we didn't talk about up until up until. Very recently, I was gonna, I was gonna go with "Go Easy" by John Martin. Like it was the, oh. it was the first one that sort of like, like out of all the stuff that we've been listening to, it was the track that I thought that's the one that sort of like grabbed me. But after Carl's talk of uh, hating electronic music and everything like that, <laughs> I feel like the the electric. The electronic uh, genre is going to be very underrepresented, possibly in future Golden Shuffle uh, tracks. So I'm going to go with Four by Aphex Twin. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. So now let's choose our topic for next time by spinning the fabled Steeler's Wheel of Fortune. Bill, do you have the uh, do you have the wheel handy? Locked and loaded. Fantastic. Spin away. Okay, it's going. Going up. Here we go. Oh, pretty broad one. Food and drink. Ah, fantastic. Excellent. Like the like the program. If you've enjoyed anything you've heard in our playlists, want to share your thoughts on playlisting, or have any suggestions for future themes you'd like us to curate, please email us at nostairwaypodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us on at no underscore stairway or leave a comment on at no stairwaypodcast.com. And so we reach a reluctant end. You might be waiting for the hidden track, but there isn't one. You had it on repeat without realizing, and it's just the first track going around again. Seriously, it's finished. You need to choose something else to listen to. I've been Carl. My heartfelt thanks to Bill and Tim. We're middle-aged men. We made some mixtapes. We hope you liked them. Until next time, take care. Okay, now that was epic. Like, normally I'm sitting there cursing you two for fucking it.